Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. In every episode, we bring you insights into the teams behind the teams in professional football. Coming up on today's episode. We always want to be the dominant team. We always want to be minimizing space for the opposition when they have the ball. We want to maximize it for ourselves. We want to have players who can do that individually. We want to have a structure and then obviously coaching points where the players can learn to do that and do it as a team to dominate in all these four phases. And obviously everyone is saying that, but I really want the players and the coaches to be fairly extreme and, and very brave. I'm Simon Austin from Training Ground Guru, and our guest on this episode is René Maric. The Austrian is one of the most highly regarded young coaches in Europe. He first came to our attention by writing the cult tactics blog Spiva Lagerung before going on to coach at the Red Bull Salzburg Academy. It was there that he met Marco Rose and soon became his assistant with the first team. After that, the duo went on to work together at Borussia Mönchengladbach and Borussia Dortmund. Last season, Rennie was Jesse Marsh's assistant at Leeds United, and now he's the under-19s coach and head of methodology at Bayern Munich. This episode comes in two parts. In the first half, I talked to Rene about his work at Bayern. And in the second, which is out later this week, we talk about his coaching journey and philosophy. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, please give us a follow via your podcast provider. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, Rene. Oh, thank you for the invitation. It's... Uh... It's a privilege to be part of it because I've listened to it for so long and now to be a part of it, it's obviously a privilege for me and uh, I'm happy to be here. Oh, I'm very honored that you've listened to some of the previous episodes. Thank you. Yeah, uh, there were quite a few that I really liked. So I think you're doing a really good job in, in sharing good content, good knowledge, and uh, I really appreciate that in general. Great. Thank you. Uh, so starting off with you, Rene, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your role at Bayern, please? So, yeah, basically, the club is it's a very big club. For me, for me personally, it's the biggest uh, in the world because I was born and raised uh, near Munich and I'm a big, big fan myself of, of Bayern. And the role here is basically trying to develop the methodology. So, coach development, and in German they call it team lead, but it probably you would translate it to head of coaching methodology. So the coach development is one big thing. And the other thing is to yeah, create a clear picture of what we want to be as a club. And that's that playing idea part that we really want to create. In Germany, you say a red thread that goes from the first team to the under 11s. And that's part of it because we obviously we have a really good structure. We have a lot of good people and we also have a lot of content. And sometimes it's about trying to find the most relevant things, maybe making making it a little bit slimmer, but also trying to revise some things. So what I'm doing, for instance, uh, in, in these weeks is going through the best games of Bayern Munich historically and trying to, to find some things that are connecting all these different players and teams and coaches for all these years and to create some things where you could call them non-negotiables in terms of our playing idea. Some things that are important, but they're maybe not always there. And maybe also to find these things that we 
do not want to have in, in any of our youth teams and, and obviously in the, in the whole club. Is it a new role for Bayern? Yeah, the, the role hasn't existed before. Uh, I do believe and hope uh, that it will exist after me and they will continue it. And I think it's in general it's just a good role because the coaches can connect with someone, they can share their experiences. There's a person who can collect all the knowledge and the confidence going in and out of the club that can create just some basic playing idea methodology for the coaches to have a reference. And then based on that, in the end, we have different types of coaches. I, I The first thing I told them when we had our first meeting of all the coaches together is I didn't want them to be copy-paste from anyone. They should be themselves. There are some things that are important that should be visible in in their trainings and in their games and in the player development. But the way they achieve that, the way they work is obviously always dependent on their individual qualities. Just like a player, even if you have two players in the same position, they might be different players with different strengths and weaknesses, but they can still help the team. And I told them I want them to be authentic, to be themselves and to become the best possible version of themselves while still maintaining some of the, these basic principles of that uh, foundation that we want to create and that is already set, but that we maybe want to update a little bit. So has a big part of it been laying down the Bayern Munich game model, the Bayern Munich way of playing? Yeah, that's, that's a big part that, again, I think implicitly it already exists through all these years that a Bayern team should be recognisable. Then obviously some coaches and some phases of, of the history of the club some things changed or were maybe not as, as pronounced as some coaches before. So that's part of me identifying that aspect. Also adapting it to what top-level football, modern football needs right now to, to be successful. And then translating that also into different age groups, in uh, different uh, training situations, game situations. And obviously it already exists, as I said, it was created over the last 10 years. And I think that it's more about updating it and maybe adapting it a little bit, maybe even just deleting some things because it's, it's, it's a lot and focusing really on the most important things, just the, the pillars of, of our playing idea. And Ralph Hasenhutl, who I know you know, a fellow Austrian uh, at Southampton, he established this way of playing and they, they actually put it in a playbook, the Southampton playbook, they called it. Have you actually put it in a document, the, the Bayern Munich way? Something like this already exists and I'm trying to do is to pick up the best things of it to maybe make them more actionable for the player, for the coaches and by extension to the players. So that's that's a big, big thing for myself in general and also in this role that I think in the end it doesn't matter how you want to call it or whatever. It, it matters if it's uh, possible for the players to use these things to improve as a team and to improve as individuals. So I'm going through all of the, the content that is existing at the club and then I'll, I'll try to merge them with the ideas that I have with the process that I mentioned about identifying these key, key aspects over all these years. And then in the end to create Honestly, the most compact and, and shortest uh, playbook that you can create because I think we just want to give them uh, a shared direction. But in that direction, everyone can choose uh, the way exactly they want to go as long as they follow the same direction because you'll have different age groups, different talents in that age group. You'll be a different type of coach. And if you still have that quality, you should be able to express yourself just like a player. So I'm a big believer in 
just allowing people to work authentically and, and helping them to, to become better in the way they do it. But obviously they have to follow that direction that the club wants and then needs to develop players and to develop teams where you can see on their playing style and on their training that uh, there's a Bayern Munich badge on the, on the heart. And how would you describe that Bayern Munich identity and that Bayern Munich way of playing? So obviously the, the wording is, is one uh, a big part and it will be the final part of the process. But in general, I would describe it that we always want to be the dominant team. We always want to be minimizing space for the opposition when they have the ball. We want to maximize it for ourselves. We want to have players who can do that individually. We want to have a structure and then obviously coaching points where the players can learn to do that and do it as a team to be able to dominate in all these four phases. And obviously nowadays... Everyone is saying that, but I really want the players and the coaches to be fairly extreme and, and very brave in terms of, of doing that. I want them to be able to play under pressure, on the ground, keep the ball, and when we don't have the ball, to get it back quickly. And then there's some more detailed things, the way we want to achieve that in terms of the, the passes that we choose, the positions that we will need, which are historically, if you look for there's some types and roles of players that you can observe throughout the teams you have obviously specific zones where we really need technical quality in terms of being able to execute with a really small amount of space and time and then again if you if you want to have results on youth level you do the opposite you minimize the space and time that the players for you have to defend you can be in a low block you can make it easier in terms of decision making to play route one to have an overload on a player and they will make mistakes at that age but for us we accept that that we're trying to train them in a way that is maybe quite hard to achieve and that we accept accept the process and that we might have some bumps in the process and lose games but in the end we want to develop first of all good people and second of all, as many professional football players as possible. And thirdly, because it's the hardest, ideally we want to develop players for our first team. And then obviously that gap to, for me again, the biggest team in the world or, and one of the best teams in the world constantly, that gap from a youth team to the first team is so big that, as you know, only a few players in the world are able to play on that level. So obviously we will never have total transition from youth team to first team only for very 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 special talents and that's fine because we believe that every talent deserves our best work as coaches and their best career and they might not be a starter they might be a player who can constantly play a part in the in the squad in the roster or who still will be able to be a good person in football and to also be a good player for some other club which is still a, a sign of, of our work and and something that we take pride in and this is a culture that we're developing right now that exists partly, but we really want to to embrace that and that thinking that every single player is a special project and deserves our best work. And just like I said about the coaches, every player deserves that we help him, support him to become the best possible version of, of himself. Excellent. And am I right in thinking that you're the lead coach for the under-19s as well? So you're a very, very busy person. Huh. Yes, uh, since uh, 15 days, <laughs> since 15 days, I'm yeah. the, the head coach of the under-19s and the youth league team. It's basically two different teams because our youth league team is our actual under-19 and our under-19, as I said, is basically an, an under-18. 
half of the club is half of the squad is under 17 players in terms of the age. But again, that's that's part of it that we will have some lessons to learn. But to be honest, uh, it was a really surprising moment uh, when I had to take the team in some somewhat spontaneously. But I really, these two weeks I really enjoyed. It. It's just being on the pitch, uh, leading a group of, of uh, young people in terms of learning things about life, about how a team works, about what be, being and becoming a professional means, but also just improving as players. It's, 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 it's a great feeling and I really missed it. And in the end, I'm, I'm grateful that it happened like that. And it's, it's an unusual step that normally I would not have done, to be honest. But just uh, having that badge on your, on your, over your heart and, and a really talented young group of players that so far are doing a tremendous job in coping with these circumstances and also adapting to, to my demands and my expectations and my wishes, just like I do to theirs, it's, it's a great feeling. That was not as expected, to be honest. <laughs> is that a role that you're going to carry on with, or is it just a temporary one? Um, it is a temporary one, and I don't know if uh, what the future will hold for me from summer onwards. But in, in general, it's uh, something that happens spontaneously, as I said, in the club. There were some long discussions with my predecessor, and in the end, they decided that they just want to make that change Again, somewhat surprising after these talks. I do not know the details, but in the end, they came into my office just just a few hours before training and two two days before the youth league game, and they told me that uh, they need me to help uh, the boys, and that was that one argument where I cannot say no. So I said okay, mm-hmm. and I tried to get a training gear in time and and get my boots and change <laughs> my my plans for the next mm-hmm. for the upcoming days and. In the end, thankfully, the, the players adapted in these uh, two two days really well. I think the first half against Basel with, with our under, actual under-19s was what I want them to play like because I believe that, that for me, in my eyes, and that's part of my role, that is the Bayern Munich way. It wasn't perfect, but uh, it, it was a really quick, pleasantly surprising adaptation. And in the second half, they showed... Uh, what happens if the coach is not able to maybe help you as, as much as, as he should? It took me too long to make the change in that game. Normally, I, I don't like to do these changes anyways in the game. I think they have to figure out solutions by themselves and I'm just supporting them. But in, in that game, uh, with, with these circumstances, maybe I could have helped them more and, and had that idea that I had in the end a little bit quicker. So I told them that, uh, that I'm thankful that in the second half, they reacted really well in terms of just if things are not working as they should and not looking as they should, they did a great job. So we ran 15 kilometers more than in the game before, which is uh, an unheard sadistic. And it's, it's, it's just the players uh, showing that they wanted to win the game. And they really, really appreciated in the end that for them, but for the whole club, that, were, that they did that and that they were able to do this under these circumstances, which I think is not easy, especially because we get players from the first team, players from the second team, under 19 players, under 17 players, mix them to one group that only trains together for these two days. And for them to adapt in the first half so well and play a really good half and in the second half to just do whatever it takes to to, to win. And that's also part of their development to be able to learn that. I think it was a great experience for all of us. And we were looking forward to 
then we have the group together for next time for two days and then try to, to play another good game together against Feyenoord. And Bayern is a huge club, as you say, one of the biggest in Europe. You know, FC Hollywood, they've been called in the past. Is the academy still very important to the club and bringing homegrown players through? Yeah, again, that's the biggest wish because um, if you look for it historically, even in, in the last 20 years, Bayern's biggest success always was when they had homegrown players, when they had players from Bavaria, from Munich, from Germany. It will not always be possible to create players who can play in the first of 11 for a team that has an ambition to win uh, basically three titles every year. But to have players who are good enough to be in the roster, to, in the squad, to have players who are good enough to understand their style and fit in when it's needed, and to also have players who can just become good professionals, maybe develop at other clubs and then be interesting in their order for us. We always say we want to try to open as many doors as possible and the players have to step through it. And every day we're discussing how we can achieve that by playing the very young teams, by maybe like I did in, in, the, in the under-19 Bundesliga, purposefully making it harder for, for some of our top talents because then they have to improve, then they have to adapt, and uh, we might lose some games in the process. But if, if we get maybe 20% more professionals and one more player for the first team out of, of our two or three next age groups, that's uh, that's worth it. And you've got Thomas Muller still in the team now, who's a great figurehead for the academy and the young players coming through. And we have Alex Pavlovich, who is uh, actually from around Munich, and uh, he's a fantastic guy in general, fantastic boy, fantastic player. And I think he will be the one who can carry that Bavaria Munich heritage over the next years. And we want to support him with as many more players from, from the academy as we, as we can. Uh, maybe there will be some players who are actually from Munich and Bavaria. There will be some players who we have to get through our scouting. But in the end, that's the goal that we have Müller, Alaba, who was a big, big figure before. And now Pavlovich is the next one. And uh, everyone in the club tries to, to find ways to develop these type of players and also to give them chances. But again, it is just such a big gap that everything has to work. All the conditions have to be fulfilled for it to be possible. And again, with Pavlovich, we have a fantastic guy who I really believe that he's just top top level talent and it's very good that we that we have him with us in the first team right? yeah yeah and yeah could you just tell the listeners a little bit more about him because maybe some of them won't won't know as much who don't watch the Bundesliga as much so one thing that we're really big as is in terms of creating these players for Bayern Munich and also what historically showed that these players who made it from the academy even long time ago, something that really connects him beside that Mir San Mir mentality, that, that mixture of being very confident, but still very hardworking day to day, not taking things for granted and being confident that every day you will be able to make it work. So that's one thing in terms of the character. But the other thing is uh, intelligence, game insight. They understand the game and you have Müller and you have Pavlovich now. And I think their biggest strength is that they understand the game. Müller has that nickname, Raumdeuter, or I think Space Investigator, something like that in, in, in English. And 
he is uh, he's just so smart in terms of finding the gaps, finding the right space. I showed in the meetings uh, goals where you can hear him because it was uh, the COVID lockdown, so you can hear every audio and you you hear him coaching. And they open the space because he's coaching. He opens the space and then the through ball opens and, and we score. And then I said, look, does does he have uh, something in the statistics? No, but he created the goal. He basically has an assist. He told the teammate to run deep and he told the passing, uh, the player who passed the, the, the ball carrier, he told him uh, that there is something open and he opened the space. So he was involved in the goal and in the pass and he, he made it possible. And that's why he, he played on that level for so long and won so many titles. And Pavlovich is obviously not playing in around the last line, but playing in front of our first line because he's, he's a holding six. He's a, he can play double six. He can also join the attack and score goals just because he recognizes space. He recognizes what the situation right now asks and he can answer that question. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we're really keen on developing, that we always see we need uh, different positions, different attributes, players who can dribble, players who can go into, into depth, players who can defend. But in the end, it doesn't matter if you are not able to accurately perceive and decide. And that's a big thing that these are the players that historically are the ones from, who are able to make that that gap and they are maybe not always the most spectacular in the under 16s and under 80s because they don't have that big spectacular uh, strength but we want to focus on these players who are maybe a little bit in behind in their physical development who are late bloomers so we are trying to find ways to fight against relative age effect that is big in basically every academy in Europe except I think the Real Sociedad so we're trying to find ways there. And one big thing is that we want to focus on if the player understands the game, he will always get uh, another chance when in doubt. And these are players that we do not want to lose. And these are the players that very often they just go to the next level and they're still able to adapt. And because that gap is so big, but football stays the same on every level, it's just uh, adapting and these players are able to adapt. And this is why we want to focus. We did, but even more and more explicitly on these players. And Pavlovich is, is, the, is, is a great example, just like Müller. That's, that understanding and that intelligence and that character, even if maybe the one is much louder than the other, but they have that same mixture of, I'm confident, I want to have the ball, I want to win games, even under pressure. And in the same way, every day I'll be, hard to, be a hard worker to, to be able to do that, to have that possibility to be privileged to get the chance and I think that mix is something that connects these two just like their understanding of the game and also to be a, a team player and I think that that's the way to go to develop these type of players to give them the chance to stay as long in that development and maybe see maybe they're in one day they're not able to adapt anymore yeah but then their level might be just below and we'll still be happy that they find uh, that they're able to live their dream because in the end we also support them as as people, as human beings, as young players who work for so many years to fulfill their dream. And maybe it's not a Bayern Munich, but we still want to produce good people for good football. And that's very, very interesting about the perception and the decision making. Because we had a guy called Jez Buster Madsen on a couple of episodes ago, a uh, cognitive neuroscientist. So he's trying to develop those things in players. Uh, is that something you're looking at again at Bayern? Yes. Um, I don't know if you know, I studied, I have a master of science degree in psychology. Yeah. And people always ask me if it's 
very important, very helpful. Obviously, it is helpful, but to be honest, I always try to look at the game and from a player's perspective. So I started, there's the quote, if you cannot explain it in simple terms, you don't really understand it. I started in trying to explain things in uh, non-simple terms because I didn't understand it. And I always put myself into the position of a player in the pitch and how would I feel if I see that? How would I feel if I hear that? How would I feel if, if I get that type of coaching? And I really tried to find the best possible help, support for the players to understand the game. So it's not my style or my idea. It is something that I think is, is just how the game is. If you get pressure from the right, you will not be able to run into the guy and run through him. You have to go past him in, in some way or the other. And then we can talk about in which way is maybe better for a different player because every player with his very specific characteristics might have a, a different best solution and we want to allow the players to express themselves and to use their strengths and as a team to compensate for weaknesses. But in the end, it's about perceiving a situation in the pitch, knowing what the tasks of each player is in that situation and find a solution together as a team so you can either score or at least keep the ball and then find the next situation to score. And uh, I think that's that's uh, that's that's the basic thing. And players like Pavlovich and Müller are perfect examples of, of, of just reading the game and finding the right task. And we want to develop them. In the end, as, as stupid as it sounds, is playing football that is not easy to play, that is demanding, demand things from them in training and make uh, realistic training with good coaching, good guidance. And everything else that we do, because there are some really interesting things that we do, like we have a skills lab. If you know the football now, yes. you could argue that the skills lab is in some way the next step, where there's a visualization of, of things, where there's a coach on, on the pitch, where there are different ways of creating a picture that is very realistic to the game, additionally to the team training. So we do it only if that execution part might be lacking. So they still have the picture in their head of what their perception the game should be, what their decision the game should be, what the situation the game is is looking and what they're based on. And then we focus on the execution. Then we add some things where we try to maybe overload them cognitively. It's still, it's very important for us. And we have a, an innovation analysis department that I've worked together with who are really, really, really good. And we're just all, everything in-house validation. So we do the testing, we do the screening, we test it. We look how players change in what regards. We try to have subjective coaching opinions and try to relate them to the data. But like a blind uh, comparison, not, oh, he reads the data and then the coach says, yeah, that that's fine. But like proper thinking, critical reflecting on these things. We have a great psychology pedago pedagogy department that is trying to because in the end, education is very important. So I told the players, if it's about health, family, and, and education, you can always get an off day if you have to learn, if you have to do this, even if it's Bayern Munich. Uh, look, there is there are people first, and then, and then there are football players, and I want them to be the best possible in both. And I think that's our way. We're not doing, uh, besides the skills level, we're not doing the most fancy stuff, but we try to get the right things on the pitch and off the pitch for the players to be great people and great football players. And we might not always do the right thing, but we try to always have the, the best intention to do so. Our podcast sponsor, Huddle, offer exclusive video and data from the best youth football competitions in the world with Scout Youth Competitions. From under 14s to 21s, 
scout the best talent playing in the major youth football competitions around the globe. Make the correct scouting decisions with objective data from over 70 competitions, 900 teams, and 11,000 players. For more information, go to huddle.com forward slash TGG forward slash Scout. And just coming back to something you said a few minutes ago, um, you were saying that most clubs in Europe are onto the relative age effect and trying to combat that. But did you say except for Real Sociedad? Yeah, as, as, so when I went through the data, and I cannot say if it's complete or not, I think Real Sociedad is basically the only team that has a near zero or even low relative age effect. So they're near zero and everyone else is either medium or high. And that's very impressive the way they do it. So we also try to find our own ways how to mitigate that, which can be part of um, yeah, creating proxies, creating uh, different rating systems, creating a different culture in terms of discussing players, creating all the knowledge, what does relative age effect mean? Because a lot of people just relate it to physical things, but it's, it's not like if you... Nowadays, at some clubs at least, just like here, if a player is small or maybe not as strong, we say, oh, he will develop physically. Which, first of all, it doesn't always matter because some of the best players of all time are not uh, not looking like bodybuilders and they're still very good physically in terms of they're able to solve uh, situations in the game on a high level for 90 minutes, for 60 games. That's football physicality. It's not uh, having the biggest chest or biceps or shoulders or whatever. So to just tell the coaches not just that they can be patient with these players but just that they it's not that as important and also they they're not just maybe 12 months behind in terms of their physical development but maybe they're 12 months behind in terms of their education in terms of their football education right in terms of their understanding of the game in terms of their uh, quality of perception so because obviously they are 11 months 12 months younger than January to December born, right? That means that they haven't had as much experience in perceiving the game. They haven't had as much experiences in being coached and understanding a training drill and understanding an instruction, understanding a question. So even there, we should be more patient because I believe that's also part of the relative age effect. And just having that discussion, that openness, that awareness, besides adding some other things, is hopefully making our relative age effect over the next, it's a long process, over the next 10, 15 years smaller. Have you got any idea why Sociedad is so good when it comes to that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously tried to research. There are some really good things. I think the way they, for instance, they take players very late in their academy. They're not afraid of, of maybe even loaning out youth players, giving them time. Uh, they have a clear long-term planning of the players, a clear plan of when they get a player that he, in some way he has to stay longer at the club. It's very regional. So I think there's also culture involved, uh, the different maybe type of, of support and patience. So these are things that I've read, but I haven't seen. And I'm not sure if that makes a difference. I just heard that these are parts of it where I can think and suspect and guess that they might be part of the explanation, part of the reason. Uh, but in the end, maybe after listening to this podcast, someone from Rasa Sociedad will reach out and be uh, kind enough to answer my questions. 
because I really, in terms of the way they play with the, the first team, everything that I heard, it's uh, obviously very, very impressive what they do. And in general, it's just always, uh, for me, it's a privilege to be able to talk with different people, different clubs. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. When you say that they're at zero, just could, could you explain that, how you calculate that and what you mean? So basically, the basic stat was that if you take that day of that age group where it starts, so let's say 1st January until the end of the year, they have a similar amount of players in the roster that are born in the first three months of the year, in the next three months, the next three months, and the last three months of the year. Whereas if you have a high relative age effect, you have all the players are born in January, February, March. And with them, that distribution through, over, through the, the calendar months is, uh, is just very similar distributed whereas in some others uh, it is very much moving to the left towards the first three months first six months and i was just going to ask two more questions actually in this section this first half uh perfect the, the first one we i did a story a couple of years ago uh the fact that bayern decided to only take children from i think 11 years upwards and they were going to let them play regional football and grassroots football before that. Uh, how has that gone? And has that been an improvement, do you think? Um, we're still trying to reap the benefits, so we're quite happy with it. We, we still have that. And we're still thinking, should it be under 10, under 11, under 12? But that's that's around the way. And I think it's just, again, we, we have to think about how much time there is to develop and how important it is for them to be at home and to be with the friends and to, yeah, maybe not lose track of the education. Uh, we try to help these clubs that we are connected with to, to also still give everyone at the club, not just the top talents, but like everyone, the best possible football education and then try to support them, try to regularly see them. And it's still work in progress, but like the first impression is, is pretty good and uh, just in general. I think it's the right way to do it. What we are doing is, 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 is a good idea. And then you can always and you should always, no matter in which department and which question, you should always look for a better way of, of doing it. And we are in that process of still analyzing if that way we're doing right now is the best possible. There may be some small things that we can improve. But for now, we are still happy with that decision. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll be continuing to be happy with the decision. But we still are observing uh, how it goes and if there are things that we can adapt to make it uh, go better. Is it easier for Bayern in a way? Because could you say you have a pick of all the best young players in Germany or in your area, whereas in England there's a one-hour rule. You have to be within an hour of the club where you live. Um, so there's more fight maybe. Yeah, but you still have a lot of competition because uh, you have a lot of big historic clubs in, in, in Bavaria. You have a lot of players that are saying, okay, at Bayern Munich, the competition, just like in the first team, is very hard. Uh, you still have to do good scouting, but in general, obviously, we would have the chance to do that, but we still are looking to be as regional as possible for as long as possible. So it's not like that we're starting to... Obviously, any exceptional talent should, should be interesting for us. It will be interesting for us, but it's not like we're filling up our young age groups of players from everywhere. I think that is in general. There In German, there are some gentlemen's agreement that you... That you have a talk internally about these things that you should think twice about uh, doing something that is not working for the player long term, especially if you do it uh, too early or too quickly. 
but it's 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 a part where I'm not uh, heavily involved, to be honest. No, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's a big debate in England at the moment about whether clubs are taking kids in too young and they're kind of professionalizing too young. When I visited a Premier League game a, a few months ago, I talked with someone from the club and they said they were scouting a seven-year-old and I think that's not the right way to go, to be honest. So if you're getting a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, and if you say, yeah, but you have to do it, otherwise uh, the competition will get him, I don't think that should be how we treat young people or people in general, that uh, we're trying to get them away from competitors, especially in, a, in, in such an age. But that's just my personal opinion and I might be a bit too... Naive or romantic in, in some way. No, I think there are a lot of people that agree with you, definitely in this country as well. Uh, and the other thing I was going to ask about was the, the top end of the academy, so that transition phase. Um, are you having a lot of involvement with Thomas Tuchel and the senior coaching staff? So I regularly watch trainings um, when I have the feeling that they have time because obviously so many games, so much pressure, such a big club, so many... Very tough games in the league, in the Champions League, great competition. I don't want to annoy them. It's not like I'm every time asking, oh, why did you do the drill? But like sometimes we have a talk, especially the assistants. With, with, uh, all three assistants, I think, are, are really good good people that are uh, really, really insightful, really helpful, really nice, kind, good people. And obviously also with Thomas, sometimes we have a, a short question and, uh, and you say hi and... You discuss small things, you ask for some some advice, some insight, and uh, I don't try, I try to like watch the trainings when I can, focus on, on uh, transmitting some of these things that I observe to, to, the, to the academy and just don't annoy them. Because in the end, the fact is that this is our most important team. <laughs> they're fighting for titles, they're fighting uh, every game against top level competition. I'm happy that I'm able to observe and sometimes say hi or ask them questions. Is there alignment, would you say, in terms of the style of playing, the coaching, in the senior side and through the academy teams? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's 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 part of what I said at the start that we're trying to find out and or rather to, I think we know it implicitly. I think we also wrote down most of it explicitly. It's just a matter of, of defining it finally. Uh, what what is historically that Bayern Munich playing idea? And the reason why Thomas uh, was appointed as a coach is, is for sure that the people who are in charge of the club see that in him, uh, that he wants to play Bayern Munich football. And uh, I think that's uh, their, their alignment automatically is there if you, if you have that. And just a final, final question for this uh, part one, the first half. Could you just give people an idea of the scale of the academy? I'm not. I'm. I'm not that. I'm not that great with numbers. But we start with the under 11s, go until the under 17s. We have an age age group. Then there's a gap to the under 19s. Then the second team already is. It's like an under 23, which is basically 19, 20 years old because we we pushed them up quite early, as I said, and they already train uh, on the same uh, pitch as the first team. So they're literally besides the other. Whereas the academy is in a different part of of, of Munich. 25 minutes, 30 minutes away. And so that's the amount of, of teams we have. Like we try to keep the squads not too big because we also have like rules that every player should get a specific amount, specific percentage of playing time over a season. Um, so that's that's a big thing that we try to keep the squads fairly small. So I'd guess that all in all, we'd have 
probably less than 200 players. Stuff, we have um, a lot of surrounding stuff that helps them with school, with language courses, with psychology. We have some players that live here in that building, which is basically more or less separated from the work. So one part of the building is, is stuff, media, PR, women's team, and the other part of the building is just where the players can have language courses where they can sleep because they have their rooms and it's it's quite big it's it's really nice i think we have seven fully used pitches and some small pitches with artificial turf for the younger age groups so that's around it but we have like a small stadium it's it's pretty good yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm not as i'm not great with numbers i just know the people that work here and i for sometimes I would have to count them, which is why I was always thinking while I was talking. Yeah, interesting. I did pay a visit actually many years ago before you played Inter Milan in the Champions League final with uh, Mourinho. So I and Robin was in the Bayern team. Oh, that that with the old academy. Ah, right. That's the old academy. This was built oh. in the in the last ten years, and it's still getting revised in some things. You might change the offices a little bit inside. Um, so it's, uh, again, we're really happy because the infrastructure is really good. It wasn't as good before, but now it is, it's fantastic with that new, with the campus. And we're just trying to find the best possible way to connect the, all the coaches together, etc., etc. Yeah. And you're all on one site, are you, the academy and the first team? The first team and the second team is in a different part. It's the 25, 30 minutes from here. Uh, because it's where historically Bayern, basically the Sebnerstrasse, where the, there's the board, the first team, the second team. And here at the academy, it's from under 11 to under 19s, the women's team and all the other stuff that is working basically with the players. And that is also helping with the education and with the integration. And so that's all in here, where's the board and HR, etc., and the first team and the second team is in the in the city centre in Zebnerstrasse. And the second team plays in a league in competitively. Yes, uh, they play fourth division in Germany, so they play against adults while they're just on that pathway to become full grown with 18, 19, 20, sometimes to seventeen, get the first first game and to adapt them to to that level, and then from there to move. There were discussions about having older players or more experienced players and getting more investment and then try to play in the third division. But in general, our idea is we want to play very young. We want to adapt them to the level and then it's either they're able to progress directly or we try to get loan moves for them so they can adapt to the next uh, to the next level. And also still, as, as people learn to to find solutions and find ways to to improve in different environments. Thank you for listening to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. You can follow our latest updates on the website and on Twitter at ground underscore guru.